Hi, listeners, and welcome to the True Crime Weekly Podcast, a podcast that is based in San Diego and hosted by me, Alina Trujillo, and my producer, Jose Fernandez. This is a podcast where I will be bringing you stories of murders, infamous cases, and unsolved mysteries. On August 12, 1983, John and Nancy Bosco were murdered in their home in Ferndale, Montana. The crime scene was bloody but also confusing. John appeared to be more decomposed than Nancy and police initially thought that this could have maybe been a murder-suicide. But when the murder weapon wasn't found, the police realized this was actually a double homicide. But there was no leads. This is the story of the murders of John and Nancy Bosco. Okay, Jose, so I picked this story because me and you have had the conversation of you know, like psychic mediums and, mm-hmm. you know, we always see in police in um, movies how like police will Utilize solve them, a crime maybe. and, you know, and we've always wondered, is this true? Like, do they actually do yeah. that? How credible is it? Right. Well, because of that, I actually chose this story. Okay. Interesting. So Nancy Bosco wanted to be a model and was outgoing, charming and fun loving. She loved to be outdoors, hiking and exploring. After Nancy graduated from college, she actually got a job in sales and she would call people and discuss what she was selling and set up a time to show it to them. Okay. Mm -hmm. now one day she calls up a man named John and she gave him her sales pitch. Now, at this time, he was living alone and had been going through a brutal breakup with the mother of his children. Mm -hmm. Now, John and Nancy headed off right away. And everyone said that their love was one of a kind and they were made for each other. Now, John and Nancy ended up getting married and two years later, they moved to Montana. Now, John loved the wide open spaces that Montana offered and they were setting up a woodworking business. Okay. Interesting. Mm -hmm. I know. I thought you would like that. (laughs) So the plan was to move to Montana, get settled in, and then they would go back and get the kids and move them to Montana. Okay. Okay. So, unfortunately, they never even made it back to pick up the kids. Oh, no. So, on August 19th, 1993, police were sent to John and Nancy's home because no one had actually heard from them in a while, and a welfare check was requested. Now, when the officer arrived at the home, he had a very uneasy feeling. There were flies everywhere, and the smell was overwhelming. The police officer discovered John and Nancy Bosco's body in their bed. John's body was black, and he had a gunshot wound in his head. Nancy was lying next to him, and there was a pillow over her face. Now, flies and maggots were covering John and Nancy's body. This is terrible. Mm -hmm. It's like something you hope you never encounter. Right. Yeah, it's true. Now, the initial thought was that this could be a murder-suicide, okay? Mm -hmm. It was very hard to tell what could have happened or when this happened, even, okay? Yeah. Now, John's body was significantly more decomposed than Nancy's. During the investigation, the police were not able to find a gun anywhere near John or Nancy, okay? So, obviously, without the gun, this started... You know, to question the initial belief that it was a murder-suicide. Yeah, because there would have to be a gun nearby. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how would it happen? Right. Now, they didn't find the gun, but 
They did find an empty box in the room that had information that John's 357 Magnum was missing. Really? Okay. Hmm. But again, there's no gun around. Now, Nancy Bosco had been shot in the back and in the cheek. Now, the scene was very bloody and the telephone was lying on the floor. And along with the telephone, there was also glass on the floor near the bed. But the police weren't able to determine where the glass came from. That's really weird. Yeah. Now, the doors were all locked. But there were a few windows that were open, including the one in the basement. Okay. The phone lines were cut. And the power had been shut off. Now, during the inspection of the home, everything was pretty much intact. And there wasn't anything missing. So, because there was nothing missing, this ruled out the possibility of a burglary gone wrong. Yeah, it sounds more like an assassination or something. Right. Right. Now, no one had any idea who would have wanted John and Nancy dead. Because, after all, remember, the couple had only been in Montana for six months. Yeah. So, they hadn't been there long. And the autopsy report revealed that the couple had been killed a week before their bodies were discovered. Now, it was also revealed that they were killed around the same time. Hmm. That's so, so odd. Then I wonder what, what's up with the like fast decomposition of him versus her. Right. Know? Well, I'll tell you more about that after this commercial break. That was fantastic, Jose. You want to know what I just did? What'd you do? I just tried. I opened up, and you don't get any. I opened up the new wine that I received from Wine of the Month Club. So do you, Jose, want to treat yourself or someone special to great wines month after month? I would love to. Well, now you can with Wine of the Month Club. With Wine of the Month Club, you get three different bottles of rare international wine every month. You get to choose from all red, all white, or mixed. You can also choose to do a package every two months or three months if that's a better option for you. And every package ships with their monthly newsletter covering your selections and our listener favorites. Fun facts! We are a proud affiliate, which means if you go to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com, forward slash support the show and click on the wine of the club month link and sign up we will earn a commission you can support the show and get wine delivered to your door by using promo code holiday 15 to get 15 dollars off any four month club or you can use promo code holiday 20 for 20 dollars off any six months club which sounds like a win-win to me you get to stay home during this covid19 pandemic quarantine by yourself and your wines. And they ship free. What? Hey, Jose. So you know that during this pandemic, it could even be scary to go to the grocery store sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can save yourself that trip using Instacart. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. They find everything you usually buy. You can get smart suggestions for new items. They even pick the freshest produce and they keep your eggs safe too. We are a proud affiliate of Instacart. So head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com forward slash support the show and click their link. Okay, so let's talk about the decomposition, okay? Mm -hmm. So it turns out that Nancy's body was less decomposed because her wounds had been covered with a pillow. 
Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So the maggots didn't attack her as much. Now, it looked like John was shot first while he was sleeping, and it's believed that Nancy abruptly woke up and tried to put on her glasses. Hmm. That was the glass that was on the floor. That glass was from Nancy's seeing glasses. Oh, I see. Okay. And obviously, they shattered when she got shot. Right. Now, remember how I told you earlier that police found a box containing information about John's gun that had been stolen? Yes. Or that it was missing? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that gun, they ended up discovering that it wasn't the same gun that they were shot with. Okay. So, that so wasn't it was the missing, weapon. but it seems like that wasn't the murder weapon. The murder weapon. Okay. Got it. Now, also, let me just remind you John and Nancy were in Montana for only six months. Okay. Mm-hmm. So nobody knew of any enemies that they had because they were just so new to Montana. Have you never right? seen Fear Thy Neighbor? <laughs> It isn't taking six months. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay. There was one person in John's life that did cause him a lot of problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. So John had been in a custody battle for six years with his ex-wife. Oh, man. Now, he enrolled his two kids in a school in Montana and his ex-wife came up and took them back to Colorado. Now, John never had permission to keep the kids in Montana, mm-hmm. so his ex-wife had to, go to, had to go to court and get a court order, went to Montana, and they took the kids out of school, and she took them back. Wow. Okay. So she has a reason to be pissed off at this guy. Yes. Clearly. Now, John was pursuing full custody, and they were supposed to leave the day after the, day after the murder to head to Colorado. Hmm. Okay. I know, obviously, this is actually pointing to the ex-wife now. Right. Right? Yeah. Which, maybe, we've seen a lot of cases where it all starts with court battles over the children, Mm -hmm. right? But another tip came in that Nancy had been concerned about someone spying on her. Okay? There Mm -hmm. were young boys that would drive by, honk at her, and there was speculation that the boys had even watched Nancy sunbathe before. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, John's mom told investigators that there was a legal dispute with the guy that John and Nancy had bought the house from. Now, they purchased the home with the intent of starting their woodworking business. Mm -hmm. But they discovered that they weren't allowed to have their business in this location. Now, the home had zoning restrictions. And the person that sold the house to them claimed that they knew about everything up front. Okay. But a few other people did tell investigators that John had concerns that he was going to be murdered soon. Why? (laughs) Well, get this. Remember, he had trouble in Colorado. Okay. Okay. Right. Now, John believed that Colorado attorneys and judges had a conspiracy going on. Okay. John and Nancy were planning to out the corruption happening in the court. Now, John's mother, Antoinette Bosco, was left with many struggles after the murders. She had actually spoken against the death penalty to audiences at high schools, colleges, human rights groups, and prisons. Okay. But now, suddenly, obviously, she's left conflicted about the death penalty for obvious reasons. And she said, and I quote, When I got the news of the brutal murders, I wanted the killer dead. I wanted to kill him with my own hands, but that feeling also tormented me. 
for I had always been opposed to the death penalty. I felt now I was being tested on whether my values were permanent or primarily based on human feelings. When it hits you personally, the anger and pain of your loss makes you want to tear apart the person who stole your loved one and your happiness. But does this do any good in the long run? And should we be in the business of killing people? In time, in spite of grieving, which will always be a permanent state of of life for me, I was able to grasp again that the state is no more justified in taking a life than it is an individual. End quote. Hmm. It's a very strong quote. I mean, kind of makes sense, right? It is. It's a very strong quote, you know? And again, she, she hasn't... There's no answers, right? There's those boys that were supposedly spying on Nancy. And then there's supposedly that issue in Colorado where they were going to out this conspiracy going on in court. Yeah. Okay. But nobody really knows anything. Okay. At yeah. This point. I mean, I guess even this conspiracy thing in Colorado, I mean, how big is it? You know, I guess it's well, I mean, hard to say, right? It was supposedly lawyers and judges that were involved. So they... I don't know. They thought in their head this was this big thing. And that's why John said, I'll be dead soon. That's so weird. It is. It's very odd. Oh, it's really interesting. I don't know. I mean, the whole sunbathing thing. Okay. But there wasn't, it's not like there was any sign of like sexual assault or anything, you know? So I, I guess that be, part is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And this conspiracy thing sounds like a conspiracy. Right. So, so I don't know. <laughs> well, John's mother needed answers. As to what happened to her son and her daughter-in-law. So she decided to contact a spiritual advisor. Now, this spiritual advisor said that he had seen the event. Hmm. He told John's mother that he sees someone crawling through a window and heading to John and Nancy's room. He said it was a skinny 19 to 20 year old boy with dark hair and inset eyes. Hmm. The kid had been in the house many times before. He goes to a school out west. He said the killer would be captured in December. Okay. That's really weird. It is. Specific. It's it's odd. Now, Mm -hmm. investigators were skeptical about the information that this spiritual advisor had provided to them. Yeah. But then, in December, they got a call from Oregon. A student named Shadow had been telling some strange stories at school. Shadow was telling people that he killed someone in Montana near his home. Hmm. Now, the police had actually charged Shadow before. He had spray-painted graffiti around town, and it turns out that he was having dreams about murder and rape and had told some of the kids at school. Okay? Okay. Now... One night, he showed off a 9mm Smith and Wesson and told kids about how he killed two people. Now, investigators went to talk to him, and his full name is actually Joseph Shadow Clark. No, it's actually Shadow. It's not just a nickname. No. Okay. (laughs) Now, he's actually one of the teens accused of spying on Nancy. Really? And get this. Mm Mm-hmm. He's the son of the man that sold the home to John and Nancy. Oh, man. So dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Remember. Piecing things together here. Yeah. Remember, John and Nancy had also a lawsuit against the guy that sold them the house. Yeah. Okay. Now, during the police interview, he said he, he had been having dreams about murder and having sexual relations with a faceless woman. 
He said he had a dream in August and the dreams were calling out to him. A voice told him to get up and go. He felt overpowered and ended up at John and Nancy's home. He turned the power off and cut the phone line. He knew the home well because this was his childhood home. Mm -hmm. He murdered the couple and claims he doesn't know why he did this. Now, police find out that Shadow had a sick obsession with Nancy and they believe he performed a sexual act after murdering her. Now, John's missing gun was found in a trumpet case under his bed in his parents' home. Hmm. Now, Shadow was arrested in December. 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 Yeah, with a psychic or Mm -hmm. spiritual person. Right. Said, right? Mm -hmm. Now, he was a 19-year-old skinny college kid who knew the house well because he grew up there. Mm -hmm. This all lined up with the information that the spiritual advisor had provided to John's mother and to investigators. Right. Now, in order to avoid the death penalty, Shadow pleaded guilty to two counts of deliberate murder and one count of aggravated burglary. Now, Shadow continued to claim that he didn't know why he murdered John and Nancy and wouldn't provide a motive at all. Mm -hmm. He was sentenced to 220 years in prison, which was later reduced to 150 years, and he'll be eligible for parole when he is 60 years old. Wow. Which is... Kind of scary to me. You know, somebody that can just, oh, I heard voices told me to do it. Yeah. Still eligible for parole, you know? I mean, at that point, is there like a a psych evaluation? I mean, maybe. I didn't find anything in my research about that, but that's a good point. I mean, maybe they did and they saw that he was just normal, I guess. And maybe that's why. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good question. I'm not sure. It's kind of crazy. 220 years, then down to 150, then down to... Obviously, a lot less. <laughs> well, no, it was then down to 150, but he's still eligible for parole. But when he's, when he's 60. 60. Yeah. I guess because, you know, they figured he's an old man, so mm-hmm. maybe he won't be a harm. But I don't know. Yeah, that seems really weird. You'd think that there was some sort of intention besides that. Right? Yeah. Especially with the interest of the father. Mm-hmm. Right. Of whatever the issue is with that lawsuit. Right. Now, let me tell you about something that I found very interesting about this spiritual advisor, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I found this story interesting because a while ago, I found this show on Netflix called Surviving Death. And I think I told you about this. Yeah, you did. And his story just reminded me of this show and the stories that they tell on it, okay? Okay. On September 17th, 1975, when Daniel was 25 years old, he was on the phone with a friend when all of a sudden, get this, He was struck by lightning. You're kidding. No, he was struck by lightning, which threw him across the room. That is scary. Isn't it? Yeah. You'd think that you'd be safe inside your home. Like, okay, I'm inside. No big deal. Nothing's (laughs) going to happen. All of a sudden, you have a phone, probably with a little tiny antenna, and boom, (laughs) you get struck. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. It's like... Just walking down the street, I wouldn't think, oh, I'm going to get hit by lightning. Yeah, you just never know. (laughs) Now... Over 180,000 volts of electricity was shot through his body. Okay. That's unbelievable. Now, his wife, Sandy, was trying to resuscitate him within seconds of the incident. Mm -hmm. Now, the friend he was on the phone with, his name was Tom, and he had also rushed over to help. Now, Danian says he felt that he was floating above himself, watching all these events. And during this time, get this. He was clinically dead. You'd think so. 
I mean, now, how can you survive that? Right. Now, he walked down, he says that he walked down a tunnel and saw a form come out of a misty blue cloud. Then he began experiencing everything he had ever gone through in life. He was also put in a place of everyone he had ever encountered. Now, Danian says he was a self-centered, mean bully when he was younger. Okay, so during this time where he was dead, he was confronted by all the people he had victimized over the years. And he had to feel everything they went through due to his actions. Really? Yeah. I found that very interesting, That's and it kind of scared me a little. Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Now, Danian was rushed to the hospital by ambulance, and in the emergency room, his breathing flattered, then stopped. Just minutes later, his friend Tom was told he was dead. Tom went into the room where Danian's body was placed, and he was just thinking, how could this be? He was just talking to his friend on the phone right before all this, and now he's dead. Yeah. You know, when suddenly the sheet over Danian's body began moving. Now, Danian explains that at this point, he was rushed from a spiritual place back to the physical world and he returned to life after being declared dead 28 minutes. 28 minutes without 28 like a pulse minutes. or anything. And then he's being rushed back. Okay, which I get, that's mind blowing. But can you imagine being poor Tom and you're just there mourning the loss of your friend that you were just talking to and then all of a sudden the sheet starts to move? I would have died. I would have died. I would have died. (laughs) I would have died. If you would have done that to me, I was like, you SOB. And then I would have just died and I'd come back and haunt you. Well, you know, maybe you'll come back in 28 minutes. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That would not be okay. Now, okay. He was in the hospital for a week and was eventually released, but he wasn't the same anymore. He was unable to walk or talk. Okay, his eyes were so light sensitive that he had to wear welder's glasses at all times. Really? He was paralyzed for seven months and it took him two years to relearn how to walk and eat. Now, finally, Danian was able to describe his near-death experience and he recalls being in a cathedral with 13 beings. Now, they approached him one at a time and would show him a box. Inside each box was an image of an event that would happen in the future. He said he witnessed 113 future occurrences, including the election of Ronald Reagan, the collapse of the Soviet Union, and the Gulf War in 1991. Now, he told several friends about these visions, Mm -hmm. and they have verified that he made the predictions before all these events ever took place. And he says 95% of the occurrences have come true so far. Now, it's crazy. Isn't it? And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I'd be a little stressed out. I was like, okay, these guys showed me 13. These 13 people showed me these future things. Mm-hmm. What if I forget about them? Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> like, <whoops>. You would. <laughs> you would after you killed me because you came back to life 28 minutes later. <laughs> now, Danian believed that his near-death experience gave him psychic abilities. About a year after that accident, he attended a lecture with Dr. Raymond Moody, who studied near-death experiences. 
Now, Dr. Raymond Moody says that in 1976, Danian told him that the Soviet Union would fall in 1990. Now, the doctor worked with him for several years, and soon Danian decided to use his abilities to solve crimes. Hmm, Which, you know, I think that's what I would have done if, if I get, you know, electrocuted. That's special powers. Special powers. I'm gonna go and solve crime. Like that would be my thing. I don't want to tell your little housewife what's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, like no, I'm gonna go and solve crimes. Now, the a doctor named William Roll observed Danian in a series of tests and gave readings to eight people that he had never met before. Mm-hmm. He picked out details that he could have never known. And he convinced the doctor that he was legit. So that's what he's doing now. And doctors are, you know, amazed because he's able to convince doctors. And, you know, doctors are all about science, but they can't explain this. That's fascinating. Isn't it? So this is the guy that said in this particular case that this guy's going to be caught in December. Yes. He's the one. He's the one that told John's mother how John and Nancy were killed who killed them, mm-hmm. not by name, but described him, describe what happened. Because think about it. In the beginning of this case, they didn't even know how it happened. They thought it was a murder-suicide. Yeah. And then they saw that there was a window in the basement that could have been the point of entry. Mm-hmm. So then they're thinking, okay, it's a burglary gone wrong. Right. But they had no leads to go off if it wouldn't have been for the spiritual advisor, for Danian. Mm-hmm. That's I thought that was I thought that was very fascinating. Mm-hmm. It so. is. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought this would be just a cold case that you're going to bring up and we need to figure out, you know? Right. No. Nope. The psychic figured it out for us. Awesome. <laughs> if you want to look at pictures and want more information on the cases we cover, you can head over to truecrimeweeklypodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at podcasttruecrimeweekly. And I would truly love it and appreciate it if you would leave a five-star review and subscribe onto Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. The only way that people find out about us is through subscribers and reviews. Thanks for listening.